Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to the Buker and Friends podcast. Here is your host. Let's send it over to Rick Buker. Rick Buker. Welcome to another episode of Buker Friendless, subsidiary of Buker and Friends and part of the United WeCast network. I'm Rick Buker. You can see me on FS1, read me on Bleacher Report, and follow me on Twitter at Rick Buker and on Instagram at Rick underscore Buker. Before we get started, I want to tell you about an app I found that has re-energized my desire to work out, and it has me working out harder while feeling as if I'm having more fun. And all of that fits into my unpredictable schedule. The app is called CycleCast, C-Y-C-L-E-C-A-S-T. And if you have a chance, look it up now while you listen to the rest of the podcast. If you're tired of creating new playlists, if you're looking for someone to keep you motivated with new routines but on your time, CycleCast provides studio quality classes for both indoor cycling and running workouts, indoor and outdoor. Now, I already had a quality spin bike at home, so I didn't want to spend a ton of money on a new bike. You know, I've used the ones with a video screen and the classes. Going to a gym and scheduling, like going on their schedule when they have uh, cycling classes, That was never going to work for me. So the best part of this is you can use the app on your iOS or Android phone. Takes up minimal battery and data. Gives you an array of instructors. They're all providing their own unique ride plans. Synchronized with songs and beats that will make you forget you're working your butt off. Almost. The monthly subscription is literally pennies on the dollar for a workout. But right now, you don't have to spend a dime. You can download the CycleCast app or go on to cyclecast.com and use the promotional code BUKER and you'll get four free additional weeks on top of your free seven-day trial. So sign up on cyclecast.com and then download the CycleCast app and your subscription will be ready to go free for five weeks. That's CycleCast, C-Y-C-L-E-C-A-S-T and don't forget to use the promotional code BUKER, B-U-C-H-E-R. Give you five free weeks of guided workouts with killer soundtracks. CycleCast. You're going to love where this app takes you. I'm recording this the evening after the NBA trade deadline and after the micro ball Houston Rockets rolled over the macro ball LA Lakers, who had a chance to get even more macro at the trade deadline and took a pass. I, of course, have a few Lakers fans mad at me at this point after saying on Undisputed, FS1's Undisputed, early this morning that I expected Marcus Morris, 
the New York Knicks forward to be in L.A. by the end of the day, and I believed that he would be wearing a Lakers uniform. Shannon Sharp, big Lakers fan, took particular delight in that, as I imagine a lot of Lakers fans did, even though it was, I said it was going to cost them Danny Green and Kyle Kuzma. Nobody seemed to have an issue with that. Certainly Shannon didn't. He was excited at the prospect of getting Marcus Morris. Thought that would be an upgrade, as did I. Now, I also said on Undisputed and elsewhere that I thought a deal by the Clippers involving Mo Harkless and the Clippers' number one pick made more sense. From the beginning of my trade coverage, I said that I expected that the Clippers were going to utilize those two assets and wind up with another player. If it wasn't Marcus Morris, it's going to be Thad Young from the Chicago Bulls, somebody who was going to deepen their rotation at the power positions. Now, as of this morning, I was told that was not going to happen by someone who was directly involved in the trade talks because the Knicks also wanted Landry Shamet in the deal and the Clippers weren't willing to give him up. Now, I would have. I thought that Marcus Morris was would be such a uh, great addition to either the Lakers or the Clippers. I would have I would have pushed the envelope. Shamet certainly is a great scorer. I don't know how much playoff run he's going to get because he does not defend his position well. Now, I don't know that I would have said Morris was headed for the Lakers again if someone involved in the deal hadn't told me that a deal with the Clippers wasn't happening and that the Knicks were now after Kuzma. Now, all this comes as the news was being uh, delivered by Adrian Wojnarowski of ESPN that Leon Rose, Woj is represented by CAA, Leon Rose works for CAA, uh, that Leon was uh, going to be the next team president of the New York Knicks. Kyle Kuzma also is a client of CAA and Leon Rose. So the idea that, and I had been told at another time that uh, Jim Dolan, the owner of the Knicks, when he fired Steve Mills uh, several days ago, that he had already interviewed and picked uh, Steve's replacement. And no, it was not going to be Masai Ujiri from the Toronto Raptors. So once Rose's name got out there, I thought, okay, well, it makes sense. Even though I think the Harkless and first-round pick makes more sense for a rebuilding team, especially with a new, uh, with new management coming in. That's the traditional standard starter kit for a team that's rebuilding. You want to be able to utilize your pick, and you want to have a guy who's on an expiring contract, so you get to decide whether you're re-signing him or using that money. All of that made sense. So uh, I, I went ahead and said I believed that the Knicks were now after Kuzma. I made the mistake of assuming the Lakers would jump at the chance of getting Morris for Kuzma, even if they had to throw in Danny Green. For those who pay attention to these things, Green had an awful playoff run last year with the Raptors until making some big shots in the finals. Feeling was, even though he's 32, that physically he was beginning to fall off. And Kuzma, of course, has never been in the playoffs. Morris has been in the playoffs 
three of the last four years and has averaged 30 minutes in 32 games with a career postseason three-point shooting percentage over 40%. Uh, he rebounds and has a positive assist-to-turnover ratio, too. Morris is a proven playoff performer. He can space the floor just as well as Danny Green and is a better, more versatile defender at this point in Green's career. The Lakers, of course, didn't want to give up Kuz, apparently. And so the Clippers swooped in and got Morris without having to give up Shamit. Now, a lot of that conversation was going on as I was on air in front of a camera, and that can be the difficulty when you're doing TV and you're trying to keep tabs on exactly what's going on. Uh, so be it. I'm not the first to get burned by that. Uh, the Clippers' number one goal, by the way, was to get bigger and tougher in the post, and they, that's exactly what they did. Uh, just as an aside, I was in the Lakers' locker room after the loss to the Rockets and listened in on Kuz talking about why they lost. Now, I've been around him a bit. Last year, certainly, uh, with the national team and the national team training camp, I've always thought he was a fairly composed, heady, you know, I mean, Hetty might be a little stretch, but uh, reasonably intelligent, in tune young player. Um, anyway, he was asked why the Lakers lost to the undersized Rockets, who uh, traded away Clint Capella, their starting center, and are now playing with PJ Tucker getting big minutes at the five. Uh, six, five, six, six. Uh, P.J. Tucker. Anyway, the answer to why the Lakers lost, the short answer is that they tried way too hard to take advantage of their height advantage by directly feeding the post. Even if the Anthony Davis was surrounded by three guys, they felt like we can just kind of toss it in there and he'll get something done. And the reality is it either didn't get there or... Anthony Davis was swarmed and is not built to be able to hold his position. So um, the hard double teams had him invariably just rolling away from the basket, taking fadeaway jumpers, and that thereby screwed up the Lakers' spacing and didn't create a whole lot of shots for anybody else despite the attention that he was getting. Now, the Lakers only had 15 turnovers, but 13 of them came from their post feeders, LeBron, Rajon Rondo, and Danny Green. Davis had 32 points, but only three assists and five free throw attempts. He made four of them. Feeding him in the post as much as they were trying should have resulted in double both those numbers at the least. Now maybe Kuz is just gun-shy around the media after last year when the sudden spike in attention with LeBron coming to town seemed to spook all the young guys particularly when it came to the onslaught of the justifiable rumors that had any and all of them being traded. Whatever the reason, Kuz just didn't seem all that sure about what went wrong for the Lakers against the Rockets, and he was asked directly. Now, seeing as the issue wasn't that hard to discern, I mean, I also heard JaVale McGee talk about it, and he was pretty clear on, on what the issue was. LeBron certainly was gave a master's class on what the problem was. It was surprising to hear Kuz say he didn't know 
what the Lakers' problem was. Now, I hope I'm not making too much of this. I might be, but that's not what you like to hear from a guy you kept over Marcus Morris and are going to need to be mentally sharp in his playoff and his first playoff run. He's going to get questions like that in the play in the postseason. And not having an answer or saying, I don't know, is not going to play well under the added scrutiny there and the under and the added pressure of you win or you go home. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Now, about the trade deadline and my prediction that Morris would be a Laker. I hope all of you understand the difference between a report and a prediction. There are reporters, Adrian Wojnarowski being at the top of the food chain right now for my money, who make their living reporting what has happened. I did that at one point in my career. And so for any of you who may be a little confused, maybe every once in a while I do it now, but it's not what I'm asked to do, either by Bleacher Report or FS1. They do not ask me to stay on top of everything that's going on with trades or breaking news or whatever it is. That's not what they asked me to do. Now, both of them ask me to tell you, listeners, readers, what I think is going to happen and why. Now, there's obviously greater risk in being wrong if you're predicting the future as opposed to nailing the immediate past. And I'm okay with that. As I see it, my job is to explain the logic and why I think something is going to happen. I've always looked at it that way. It's why I was originally hired by ESPN to write for ESPN the magazine. The the motto of the magazine when it began and through its uh, history was next. We're going to write about what's next. So you inherently wrote about what's coming around the bend. It's why the spring, one spring, I wrote a story about the Oklahoma City Thunder and the imaginary celebration of them going to the playoffs the following spring. And it was considered a little, uh, not maybe a little, pretty edgy out there. Because the Thunder at that point, extremely young, had just moved to Oklahoma City, did not have a winning record at that time. I think they'd gone like 500 in March. But I could see it coming. And so I wrote it. Uh, That's what I like to do. It's far more uh, engaging, far more interesting, far more challenging to read tea leaves, if you will, or get to be able to sense what is going to happen with a team 
or a game or a player or a situation and say, a year from now, this is what I think this is going to look like. Now, I forecasted a number of things about this trade deadline. I said Andre Drummond and D'Angelo Russell would both get traded. I said Derrick Rose would not. I said the Clippers would add a player one way or the other using Mo Harkless in their first round pick. And I predicted that Marcus Morris would wind up in L.A. and I believed would be a Laker. In retrospect, it's a lot like my prediction last summer that Kevin Durant would be in New York and I believed would wind up with the Knicks. I knew when it came down to the wire that he was not going there, but up until the last day maybe, I thought there was a chance. And a lot of that had to do with just because KD can be unpredictable. But even I said that even though I knew and said that he had met with Kyrie Irving several times to talk about playing together in Brooklyn. In both cases, I could have left it at KD was going to go to one of the New York teams and Morris was going to wind up with one of the LA teams. And I would have been on really safe ground because in both instances, I knew those were the only possibilities. And I knew that it was somewhat of a battle between the two, both the Nets and the Knicks and the Lakers and the Clippers when it came to Morris. But I can't imagine anyone being satisfied with that. I did, and by the way, I said the whole KD thing, that was on Undisputed as well in the last week or so. I said the original KD being a Nick, that was my response to Colin Cowherd saying he had heard from Bill Simmons that it was a done deal that KD was going to New York. I said, I've heard the same. I've heard it's a done deal. That's what I'm hearing. That then became, Rick Buecher says, <laughs> the KD going to the New York Knicks is a done deal. I guess you can interpret it that way. I've, I, got, I have no problem with that, with, if that's the way you want to go. It's not exactly how it happened, but so, so be it. As I said, I'm comfortable with all that, even, even with the social media, you know, you're a clown, you're always wrong, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I can, I can live with that. It gets kind of vicious, but I wouldn't want to change what I'm asked to do in order to be, I don't know, to find a friendlier Twitter. I don't know that that necessarily exists. So anyway, um, I'm asked to make educated guesses. And look, if I were going strictly on logic, I would have never wavered on Morris being a clipper because the Mo Harkless, as I said, the Mo Harkless and number one pick just made way too much sense. But people I were talking I was talking to convinced me that the Knicks were focused on getting a deal with the Lakers for coups and that seemed reasonable and understandable why they would do that my only regret in all of this is that I got Shannon so pumped up about the prospect of the Lakers winning a championship this year and I'm gonna have to be back on with him sooner rather than later and I'm sure I'm gonna hear about that and I just I don't like I don't like uh, dashing. I don't like getting people pumped up and and then having their hopes dashed because uh, I gave them a false false illusion. I was also at Staples Center the night before the trade deadline to see the Heat and the Clippers. Newsflash. Clippers are really good. And 
they're only going to get better with Morris. They took apart a very good Miami Heat team basically when they decided to, which was not until midway through the third quarter, and then they had no problem getting it done. But enough about the Clippers and the Lakers and the trade deadline. I it was really something else that I inspired me to want to do this Buker friendless. Um, and we'll have plenty of time to get back to them and uh, what happened, what else happened at the trade deadline, etc. I want to talk about Jimmy Butler and how figuring out exactly who a player is and what he's about and as a writer or analyst, tell as a fan or a GM or a coach or a teammate, you want to think that you can spend time watching him play, and especially if you're in my position, you're in my position, talk to him and the people around him and pinpoint what a player is all about. I've done that twice now with Jimmy, and I'm about to do it a third time. This is also, by the way, is not the first time I've had to change my opinion about a player. I don't do it all the time. Going back to Red Auerbach said, guys don't change. And I've always kind of kept that in the back of my head. And I want to believe it. It sounds good. It's Red Auerbach. I'm just not sure that it's necessarily true. And maybe it's less true in today's game because of different dynamics. There were older, more mature players back then. I just think there could be some reasons why Red was right, but he would be wrong about today's player. I did it with Steph Curry, who I thought was a nice player, but hardly championship material. He couldn't stay healthy and kind of light, kind of skinny, kind of not all that strong. I was among those at the time who thought keeping Monte Ellis and dealing Steph was the right move, something that the Warriors considered. In that case, since I lived in the Bay Area, I went to Steph, and I don't know, this was right around the time Mark Jackson came in and they started turning, turning the corner. I went to Steph and I told him I had been wrong about him. I didn't know if he'd heard what I had been saying, but that he was, he was tougher, and he was just all around. He was, he was better. I could see a way in which he, he could be a championship-caliber player. And this was before the Warriors ever won a championship. They were on their way, and I just knew whatever they were going to be, he was going to be a part of it, and he was going to be a bigger part of it than I ever imagined. I didn't know he was going to be league MVP and all that two times, but I, I, I believed in him, whereas before I thought, yeah, this is kind of uh, smoke and mirrors. I had to shift my thinking about Lamar Odom as well. I could never imagine him hoisting the Larry O'Brien trophy until he did, and he did it twice. I wrote a piece on Jimmy Butler at the start of his rise in Chicago. Talked to his coach at Marquette, Buzz Williams, and his agent, Happy Walters, but mostly I talked to Jimmy. He became my son's favorite player. I admired the road he had to take to make it how he made it. But then, and this was after I did the story, things went sideways in Chicago. 
and I heard from people I knew well in the organization that Jimmy was at the heart of them. This is when Derrick Rose got hurt, and Jimmy wanted to take leadership of the team. And I mean take. That was the nickname that he was given by players in the locker room, hostile takeover. He decided that he was going to be the leader of the team. Not everybody was on board with that. In fact, I don't know who was, but I know plenty were not. And this happens. The late Flip Saunders used to say it all the time. Your greatest strength can also be your biggest weakness. The same single-minded zeal to get where he wanted to go meant running over some people unnecessarily, it seemed, in this case, especially at a point where Jimmy had kind of made it. I mean, he's in the NBA. He's on an NBA team. He's a valued player. He's becoming a star. It just seemed like he was overreaching and trying too hard to grasp something from people that did not want to give it to him. When he was dealt to Minnesota, same whispers cropped up. It offered further evidence that Jimmy was the problem. He was the instigator. When they began again at his next stop, Philadelphia, it was a foregone conclusion. What are the chances that one guy could happen to go to three different situations where it was more the dysfunction of each team than the one common denominator, Jimmy Butler? Especially if you knew anything about his history as someone who grew up with a tremendous amount of dis dysfunction plaguing his every step. Well, there's at least one chance. Because looking back now, I believe the organizations had as much to do with the problems that came up as Jimmy. Chicago was a mixed bag. They were trying to figure out which direction they were going to go. First, they were rebuilding, and then they brought in Dwayne Wade and Rajon Rondo, and they suddenly were trying to grab lightning in a bottle and be a playoff team. And they went from Tom Thibodeau to Fred Hoiberg, complete change in coaching styles, and I can understand why Fred had difficulty maintaining Jimmy's respect just from a personality standpoint. Uh, Fred is basically the opposite of Buzz and Tibbs. And Jimmy responded well to both Tibbs and Buzz. Sometimes it just works that way. Minnesota, he's with Tibbs, but he's with, with some star players who... We now know, based on what we're hearing and seeing now, whereas the tendency was to say this is Jimmy creating problems, Carl Anthony Towns and Andrew Wiggins are just young players who are being abused by a vet coming in and trying to steal their thunder. Maybe not so much. Philadelphia, kind of seeing the same thing with Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons. In any case... Jimmy clearly has found the right team in the Miami Heat at the right time in his career. And I say that because I could say that I owe Jimmy an apology. And maybe I do to a certain extent. But it's not like Steph, where I just thought he was one thing and I was wrong. I suppose what I've come to discover is that Jimmy 
wasn't entirely to blame. Now, the reality is he's changed. The reason it's working in Miami is because he's not the same Jimmy he was in Minnesota, Philadelphia, or Chicago. And I know that, or I had it confirmed, because I ran into one of his old coaches, Tom Thibodeau, in the hallway outside the locker room at the Staples Center after that, uh, after the Clippers had beaten the Heat. Uh, Tibbs was there visiting Doc Rivers, who he served as an assistant under in Boston when they won a championship. And Tibbs conceded that Jimmy was not the same Jimmy now that he had been at the previous two stops, that he had learned how to refine, or previous three stops, that he'd learned how to refine his leadership style. The thing that really got me, though, was talking to Goran Dragic in the locker room. Dragic said, I love the guy because he holds people accountable and he's a superstar who doesn't care about stats. All he cares about is winning. Dragic has been around the league a bit too. He's taken his lumps. But he said in his NBA experience, he found that very rare, very rare that uh, a star of Jimmy's caliber truly did not care about his numbers, did not, and specifically did not care about scoring. Really just cared about how are we going to win. So that's what Dragic appreciates and admires about Jimmy. And now, once again, so do I. All right, that does it for this episode of Buker Friendless, subsidiary of Buker and Friends, part of the United Wecast Network. Please rate and review the show. Uh, You're going to do something for us by doing that. Look, it's free content, but the more reviews, the more stars, whether you give us one or five, all of it does mean something. And so you'll be doing us a favor. That'll be your way of repaying us for this podcast. In my next podcast, uh, I am planning to be joined by Ryan Hollins and Kendrick Perkins, former NBA players. Ryan, obviously, is regular here. Perk, you can see on ESPN and a number of other platforms. We both do Radio.com with uh, Scallon Pals, uh, Brian Scalaprini's podcast. In any event, if you've been following either one of them on social media, these two regularly get into it. and It's, it's pretty comical uh, how they go at each other on Twitter. So I thought, you know what? Let's bring this to the podcast. Let's have these guys go beyond uh, 140 or 280 characters and settle their beef here, maybe with me as as the referee or the antagonizer. I haven't decided which way I'm going to go on that. But that is what we're hoping to do in our next podcast, and we will be bringing that up shortly. So in the meantime, as always, thanks for listening. catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, 
HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. <laughs> 